Good morning. How, how are the pants fitting? Not so well? Yeah. I've got my stretchy less, uh, waistband. That's good. Though I, I realized I'm wearing garnet pants when I shouldn't be wearing garnet, if you know what I mean, the Florida State. So, um, well, hey, we're, gonna, we're continuing on in our series um, through the book of Romans, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Um, as, as we're, as we're um, walking through this passage, um, does holiness matter to you? Um, is being an obedient Christian important? And, and the reason I want you to think about that is because we have spent the first five chapters building um, kind of, you know, the, the scaffolding of grace all about justification. Like, you are saved by grace. Um, it's all about grace. If you want to compare sin to grace, um, grace wins every time. And if you just want to um, think about the law, um, you know, against sin, here's what that's going to produce in us, lawbreakers, if we just think about law. But when we begin to think about uh, a grace, grace uh, wins. Um, and so as you think about that, um, and you realize how big grace is, this undeserved favor that you're, that, that you're given by God, here's a logical conclusion. All right, um, so what about my, uh, my life right now? Who really cares? And that um, is a, a logical question that Paul kind of in, in ver- uh, chapter uh, 6 and 7 here answers. Because that's the way he talks about how grace is big and um, you know, grace because God is putting everything together uh, through Jesus, invites us into this wonderful life. Um, grace wins, sin loses. Uh, if you were to you know, place sin versus um, uh, aggressive forgi- uh, forgiveness, uh, this, this aggressive forgiveness wins. And so um, he, starts, he starts this uh, chapter with, well, so what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Because every time you compare yourself to the law, you know, you realize you cannot complete the law. So should we just sin? Because that just shows how much grace we have, right? That would be fun, correct? That's supposed to be kind of funny, not really. I was, I was trying to think of a way to, to talk through this a little bit. And, um, you know, Thanksgiving is about food. Holidays are about food. I found out two weeks ago, cruises are all about food, um, and I want you to think of sin just for a second here as like um, a high carbohydrate, high starch, simple sugar diet that I like to eat. I love that diet, right? Um, and, you know, you think about the perfect day for someone who eats that way, you know, pancakes with like a ton of syrup and lots of butter, like the size of Uncle Buck's, you know, pancake, if you ever saw that movie. Uh, so I would go to Wendy's and get a number two biggie sized meal for my lunch. I would then order probably a couple pizzas from Pizza Hut barbecue pizzas and then cap it off with a 930-ish run to Froyo's. You know, that's a great day, right? But I want you to think about that um, as sin, right? Sin as eating carbohydrates and sin as, as eating these, these simple sugars. And if you were raised on that diet, it's all you know. 
This is the taste that you have. You think about that, right? You think, no, no, this is what I eat. This is how I eat. This is all I know. That's, that's, that's my, my palate has been conditioned. This is what I do. And, and then Paul comes in uh, and talks about Moses. And he said this, Moses got God's menu about the way you're supposed to eat, right? And all of a sudden, Moses read the menu. So here's what it looks like, you know, green stuff and fruity stuff and kale, right? Like, this is it. And you're thinking, no, 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 here's what my palate does. Um, I, I eat uh, a whole king-size tin of Pringles. That's what I do, you know? Like, that's, what, that's, that's where I go. So when you begin to, to you know, read that menu of, of healthy eating, I, I, can't even, um, uh, I, can't, I can't even relate there's no way I could, I could follow that eating plan at all. Um, and the story of, uh, of, of the gospel is the only way you won't die of heart disease is if someone, you know, if someone eats a perfect diet and then gives you this gift of, of salvation, uh, and it's Jesus. And, you know, what we realize is that, um, man, I, uh, I love to eat and, and if, if I received the law and the law was to eat healthy, I could probably keep it until noon on J- January 1st until I saw a Chick-fil-A where I would have to go and, and get something. Um, and I think if you realize that, you know, when you begin to eat poorly, what, what happens when you eat a Wendy's meal that's, you know, biggie-sized? My, my fingers swell up, you know, my neck begins to itch. You know, I start getting bad body odor. You know, you're just like, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. But you know what? I love sinning and I hate sinning, right? I, I, I mean, I, I like to tell somebody off. Uh, but then I realize when I do that to my spouse, uh, you know what? Uh, they don't say anything of substance or anything heartfelt for the next month. But it sure felt good to say that, um, I love thinking about money and about uh, getting filthy rich and being comfortable and being autonomous until I realize that, hey, I haven't even thought about God um, since my, my grandmother got cancer. It's been like three, four years. And so Paul is saying, here's the deal. Shall you go on sinning? Um, here's, here's, his, here's his response. No. No. Um, do you not... By, in no way, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Why are you still eating this type of food? Do you not know what's happened? That you have died, right, to what? The rule and reign of carbohydrates. You, you have, you've died to that. You have a new taste bud. And you have a taste, he says, for what? For holiness, no, no, you actually want holiness. You have died to what? The rule and reign of sin over you. You think that you can't make good, healthy decisions. But you know what? You haven't tried. You can. Because here's what Christianity is sold as. Um, you're guilty. He gives you forgiveness. And that's where we stop, right? So what's, what is Sunday mornings about reiterating, about retelling the story of how original guilt... Um, was, was forgiven, right? You are not guilty, and that is the truth. But here's what we forget, and this is what Paul realizes. The, the problem is, is that um, it's not just original guilt that he 
uh, has power over. It's original corruption. That means the sin that is in your life right now. And he says, not only am I going to make you uh, completely forgiven eternally, and we know that you know, when you're in heaven, you will not be able to sin, but you are struggling with sin right now. And the question is, what do you do with that? Because there's a lot of us that are struggling with some deep sin, some deep addiction. But we preach this gospel of grace. So does it really matter? I mean, does it really matter if, uh, if you have power over sin, if we're just going to preach the gospel of grace here? Because that's the logical question. Man, Paul, you say grace and grace and grace. So what about holiness? What about obedience? Should we just keep on sinning? And Paul's, no, 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 no. Look, when, when you are united with Christ, we are those who have died to what? The rule and reign of sin. Um, how can we live in it any longer? And so here's what we know. Is that at conversion... You are no longer under the ruling power of sin. That's just not you are, you are forgiven. Is that you have true, real power. Do you believe that? What's a besetting sin in your life that you just mess up every time? And if you were really honest and you maybe, let's say you went to a counseling session and, and the therapist looked at you and said, so what do you think the chances are of you having victory over this besetting sin? I think many of us would say, well, you know, slim to none. And Paul knew that the church in Rome was thinking that, yeah, they believe in forgiveness. But do they believe that the gospel pushes us, uh, ushers us into um, true power over the stuff that you're struggling with right now? Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, um, who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Don't you realize that you are now fully united with him? This isn't talking about like a water baptism. This uh, is, you know, the way we would traditionally see it after conversion. It's, do you not understand Paul talks about the Israelites being baptized into what? Into Moses. What do we know happened at the parting of the Red Sea? They said that, that the Israelites were baptized into what? Into the leadership of Moses. There was question to whether or not he was the true leader. And once he parted the Red Sea, once God used him to, to part the Red Sea and, and the waters fell on the uh, Egyptians, they were baptized into Moses being, the, they were with Moses. They were united with him as their leader. That's the same way we're, we're to see verse 3. Do you not know that you've been baptized into Christ? We were therefore buried with him. You know, that um, he killed sin. He has full reign over sin and death. That we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You have a palate for healthy food and you can make those decisions. Sure. It doesn't mean that you don't, don't um, still have desire for this way of eating, but you're not ruled by it like you were before you received Christ. See, before you received Christ, you could do nothing but make bad decisions. That's what the scripture says. You could do nothing but eat unhealthily. And now, after conversion, what do you have? You've been baptized in him. You have the power right, of Jesus inside of you. And in reform circles, we don't talk about this. 
And the reason we don't talk about this a whole lot in Presbyterian churches and Reformed churches is because here's what we're fearful of. We're fearful of preaching a kind of this health and prosperity gospel. Like, if you come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. And sometimes we end up feeling almost like, um, hey, you're, you're, you're not guilty anymore, but hang on, it's going to be a sad ride till you die. <laughs> that's kind of the way that we sell it. You know, you know, that's not very, I mean, it's good at the end, but it's kind of like, okay, this is going to be depressing. Just hang on to, you know, to your funeral. And that is even, that's really depressing. Um, and I think we've missed it. Um, Because just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you feel like you can have power over, right? Alcohol, your mouth, gossip. Can you stop being a workaholic? Can you stop? Are you nervous all the time? Because if you don't have it, then you what? You'll become a slave to it. Kurt Godel, he was this um, uh, mathematician who died in 1978, and he worked at this institute, Institute for Advanced Study, in Princeton, New Jersey. But during that time, he became convinced that someone was out to poison him. Like this is what, and so he lived. In this anxiety, this hypervigilant state, somebody was going to poison him. And he, re- he relied entirely on his beloved wife, Adele, to cook his meals and to be his taste tester whenever they were away from home. The problem was in 1977, Adele was, was hospitalized and she could not help her, her uh, husband anymore. And his friends tried everything they could to get him uh, to eat, but he refused. And... This is, you know, believing a lie. Believing that you do not have the rule and reign of Jesus in your life can lead you, in an extreme example, where he, his life ended in, in 19, uh, I guess 1978, weighing at 65 pounds. He refused to eat because he decided this is the way life was. And according to the official death, uh, death certificate, he died of malnutrition and Inatian caused by a personality disturbance. And in plain language, they say he starved himself to death through a wrong belief, a lie. And some of us in this room, you don't believe that you're united to Christ and and that you are united with him in his death and you've been raised up to the extent that you actually have power today on a Sunday, right? That you have true power over a temptation in your life where you can have true victory, the cross of Jesus is just, to, um, just to, to clean up your guilt, and it's more than that. It's, it's to push you into holiness. It's to pull heaven down to earth. He goes on, he says, For we, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly, certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So if that could be your bookends of thought. Here... The death, uh, the fear of death, and, and what death has brought, and the reign of sin is in the past, and my future is certain. What, what if you lived like that? If that was, your, that was your framework, right? Okay, the death and the rule and reign, that doesn't mean I won't struggle, but you know what it means? 
When I trust in Christ, I will have victory. Because he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. Some of you don't even believe that. In fact, you might even say that that's a prosperity type of gospel. No. It's what's offered to us. And many of us just don't utilize it. We don't realize, okay, if death is in the past, everything's okay. And if, if, my, if my future glorification is certain, everything's going to be okay. Okay. Why don't I let it rip? And Paul was looking at his church and saying, people aren't living this way. Yeah, they're saved. Yeah, they made profession in Christ. But hey, look, they think all they want to eat is you know, carbohydrates and sugars. They think that that's, that's their palate that they have, and it's not. They can eat um, healthy foods. And what do healthy foods do? They make you healthy, and you begin to do things you never thought possible. For we know... That our old self, this is pre-conversion in your life, that your old self was crucified. It was killed, right? It was destroyed. That person, before you came to know the Lord, it has been, he has been obliterated, eviscerated with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So your old self is crucified, it's dead, and then you have this body. And here's, it's, it's been ruled by sin, and we want to reverse that. And that's what Paul is saying. Do you want to be a part of that? Let's change that addiction. You got an eating disorder? No, let's look at the right way. Let's look at food the right way, right? You, you struggle with this in your marriage? You can't stop your tongue? Yes, you can. You have authority and the rule and reign of Jesus because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You have been set free from the tyranny of sin. And I don't think that too many times. And I settle. I settle for the same patterns over and over. And what's offered in the gospel, yes, is forgiveness, but it's true power. Do you believe that? The problem is, it's like a good stock, right? I mean, it's going to go up some, and then you're going to get knocked back down, and you're going to go up some. But over time, you know, over time, you'll see, hey, if you're fight, if you're in the fight, if you're in the fight for your marriage, if you're in the fight for your heart, if you're in the fight for, hey, relationships that mean a lot to you, you know what? You will, um, you will have victory. Now, he says, verse 8, If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, St. Augustine was a famous church father. And the reason that he really became famous is because he published his confessions. And no one had really done this on a kind of a, a global, well, big, yeah, European, Asia Minor scale. And he wrote about some real sin. This is the first time people actually read this stuff. Like, he dealt with sexual sin. And in his writings, um, he developed this um, big doctrine of sin. And he begins to talk about how, you know what, um, before sin came into the world, Adam, he would say this, um, passe pecare, and all that meant was 
Adam was able to sin. He hadn't sinned yet, but passe pecari, he was able to sin. And then he said this, but then once Adam sinned, he would say, that, then it became this, non passe, non pecari. And all that means is man was not able to not sin. And then he gets converted. He's in all this terrible sin, um, you know, all, yeah, all, all these different things he's in. You read, I mean, it's a marvelous, marvelous book. And then he said this, passe non pecari. After conversion, you know what? It is possible not to sin. For a lot of people, they you know they thought it was non passe, non pecari, even after conversion. But you know, holiness is available to you. It is possible for you to not sin. It is possible for you to say no to you know, unhealthy foods and to say yes to healthy foods, to say no to that addiction and to say yes to, I'm going to spend 30 minutes every morning with God. I'm going to do that. I haven't done that, right? I have not done that, but I want to know him. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes praying. And I'm just going to have a list. I'm going to do it every morning. One hour for God. He gave me my entire life, my my ability to work, I'm going to give him this time. Just me and the Lord, right? I'm going to, and, and you know what? I think that is going to fill me up. And I think when I, if I put on the, the, the spectacles of scripture and of prayer, I'm going to walk into the world and you know what? I will be different. And I love what Tim Keller says. He says, when you're filled with the spirit and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control are all coming out of you. You know what he says? Kind of like this nirvana state of holiness. He calls it this. He calls it, it's, he says it's blessed self-forgetfulness. He says, I don't think about myself. I forgot about myself. And I live in this state where I'm just forgetting about self. And so you know what I think about? I think about God and others. And that's the way my, I live my life. Self-forgetfulness. Yes. If you're on point and you're thinking about, hey, you know what this sin, right? You know what, you know what this body image sin does to me? I, I incessantly think about myself all day long, right? You know, I think about money all day long, and I don't think about my boys, my girls, my bride, my groom, my church, my small group. I don't. It wins, right? I'm just thinking about me. And when you realize that you are, it's, it, you are in the state of passe non peccare, and, and St. Augustine, he began to have true victory. Now, hey, this can be sold, right? This can be sold as, hey, you come, you get some Jesus in you, boyfriend, you're going to be just, you know, easy peasy. This is the way it's going to work. You know, no problem. No, that's not it. What does Paul say? Here's what it's like. It's like a duel. And so you know what you need? You need the breastplate of righteousness, and you need the, the shield of faith, and you need the sword of the Spirit, and you need the, the, the shoes of uh, the gospel shoes, the helmet of salvation, because it's a war. But you know what? In Christ, you can win it. You have it. Victory is available to you. Do you believe that? Or are we really good, depressing Presbyterians? That, that have this low view of the power of the Spirit inside of you and inside of me. Because Paul wants what? He wants you to have some victories. He wants you to say, you know what? 2019 is going to be different. Because you know what? I think if I build up this theology of the Spirit in me, and I, and I don't you see it in these extreme ways, you know what? I'm going to have true what? I'm going to have true victory. Where are you this morning?
Verse 11, what does he say? In the same way, here's what you need to do. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count their meaning, hey, you need to, you know, um, go over them, right? Count it, rep it. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. If you knew that and you were, you were walking into an office setting where you know you've failed, but if, but if you believe this, I am dead to sin. Sin does not rule me. It influences me, but it does not rule. If you knew that, you know, how many times do you walk into a setting where you already, it's, it's self-fulfilling. You're, it's self-defeating. You already know you're going to lose. How many times have I done that? And you know what? For the next hour, it's just um, sin, selfishness, self-pity, anger at other people, and I just lose. They lose because I'm not reminding myself of the gospel. Like, who am I? I am bought with Christ's blood, right? We will not act, Frank, I will not act as if I belong to myself. We owe Jesus Christ our lives and salvation, and we cannot live in disregard to his will. Boom, enter into the room, do your meeting, right? Pick up the phone, have the conversation. I will not live as if I am the owner of myself. Jesus, I'm bought with a price. And I'm going to speak on the phone this way. I'm going to text this way. I'm going to, you know, uh, hug my kids or interact with my kids this way. Tell me life wouldn't be different. Tell me we wouldn't see um, all kinds of, of, of victories. But, you know what? Once they saw the Red Sea parted, you know what some of the Israelites did? They looked back and they said, you know what? I'm going to look back to my slavery. Because you know what? In Egypt, at least we had three squares a day. Granted, I got whipped by, you know, a drill sergeant. I had to make bricks without straw. But you know what? At least I got uh, three meals a day. Yeah, I'm a slave. I'm a slave to this. And, you know, that story of of the new exodus is all through this. If you would believe in who you are, hey, things might, um, might be different. I love this story because it spoke to this. Um, Albert, uh, Albert Woodfox spent 43 years almost without pause in an isolation cell, becoming the longest standing solitary confinement prisoner in America. He had no view of the sky from inside his six by nine foot a concrete box, no human contact, and taking a walk meant pacing from one end of the cell to the other and back again. Then, in April of 2016, he found himself on a beach in Galveston, Texas, in the company of a friend. He stood marveling at all the beachgoers under a cloudless sky and stared out over the Gulf of Mexico as it stretched far out to the horizon. You could hear the tide and the water coming in, he says. It was so strange walking on the beach and all these people and kids running around. Of all the terrifying details of Woodfox's four decades of solitary incarceration, perhaps the most chilling aspect of all is what he says now. Two months after the state of Louisiana set him free on his 69th birthday, he says he sometimes wishes he was back in that cell. Oh, yeah, yeah, he says passionately when asked whether he sometimes misses his life in lockdown. You know, human beings feel more comfortable in areas they are secure. In a, in a cell, you have a routine. You pretty much know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. But in society, it's difficult. It's, it's looser. So there are moments when you wish, yeah, I wish I was back in the security of a cell. And he pauses, then adds, I mean, it does that to you. Yeah, it does. 
slavery does that to you. You know? Like, you, you take on that mindset, this is what I am. I am not a child of God, I am a slave. Right? That's why when orphan Annie goes to Daddy Warbucks' house, she's still thinking she's in the orphanage, and she looks up and she goes, so I'll wash the windows first, and then I'll let the drip down to the floor. And she still had the mindset of an orphan. She couldn't get over the fact that Daddy Warbucks was saying, no, no, no. You get to pick whether you want satin or silk sheets. Every, all these people are here to serve you. No, 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 no. You are going to be, are, you're the one that receives the blessing. And she's, no, no, I'm just an orphan. And so many of us do that. We are chained to whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Do you, do you believe that the gospel offers you more than what, what you're living in right now? And it does. And so Paul, you know, at the very end, these last couple verses, he begs us, right? Please, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument. Don't offer your eyes, right? Don't look at those things. Don't offer your ears up. You know what you're listening to. You know what that's doing. Don't offer your hands up to the world as an instrument, right? Where you, you get to participate in something sinful because you know what that'll do? That'll just drive more desire. When you see it and it's sinful, you're going to want to see it again. And those desires will destroy what? Homes, relationships, churches, communities. Don't let your feet, right? Don't offer your feet up as an instrument of wickedness, but... Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought or brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, not because you have to, but because you get to. Because when we engage in that and holiness comes into your home, what if holiness came into your bedroom? Holiness, right? The righteousness, the beauty of God that's offered to you into, hey, into your living room in a new way, into, hey, into, into this church, into the youth room, into the preschool, into all the adult education. It came in. Holiness is beautiful. Why? Because the law is simply this, the handbook for living. It's, do you want to know the way you were designed? Read the book and go over it and, and practice this stuff. You know what? Hey, um, you, you are going to stay on the path and, and God's blessing will be with you. And so when you realize, hey, I've been delivered out of the dominion of sin. The Spirit of God is within me. Though sin, uh, though sin may seem too powerful to resist in the moment, it's not. I've got I've to stop believing that lie. Right? I'm, I'm not going to be scared when I walk into this room. I'm not going to be scared because, hey, maybe I don't quite measure up. I'm going to choose to believe, you know what? I can have a healthy relationship with food. I can. My, my body image is, hey, no, God made me as a temple. Imago Dei. I'm not going to, you know, um, OCD over everything on my body. And we do that, and the world does that. And Twitter does that, right? Comments, this is what you are, this is who you are, this is what you should be. No. The dominion of the world, the domination of the world we feel that, but it's a lie. Because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Amen? If we know that you were saved, why? 
so that you could kill sin. So that salvation could come to every part of your life. And when that happens, heaven comes down to earth. You have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. How could you do that? What part could you offer this week as an instrument of righteousness? What, what talent do you have? What ability do you have? And you have, you have just used it for yourself. And what he's saying is what Paul's saying, no, use it for the church, for the world. Bring heaven down to earth. Bring righteousness here. Do that. Let's do that as a church. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Amen? That's hope. You need that this morning. I need that this morning. The power of the gospel in real time at 1140 on Sunday morning the power of, of, of the gospel that, that resides in us, right? The presence of God that's in us, the spirit and the word, we have power over, you name it, whatever pattern, sinful pattern is your life that you want to be rid of. Man, apply it. Go for it. Don't just decide, no, I've done this for too many years. You know what? I know people make fun of the name it, claim it. I'm going to claim a Bible promise, but we don't claim We don't claim Bible promises in this community very well at all. And we miss out. And if we would claim it, right, that I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and I'm going to lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him. And you know what? My paths will be made straight. If my people will humbly pray, what will I do? I will heal your land. Let's do that. Oh, pure obedience. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And we get to be a part of the crooked being made straight. The rough places plain. That's what he says is is, is part of this salvation story. And so Paul here, he's taking a little, you know, a little break. Verses or chapter six and seven. He's talking about it a little bit more in this chapter and then in chapter seven. Uh, What does it mean for you to live right now? Power over sin. Let's dominate, right? Dominate over our sin. That's what he wants for you and the ways uh, he wants for me. He's tired of us being tolerant sinners. Tolerating our own sinfulness and not fighting. Let's do it. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Father, when we exercise faith, understanding that our guilt has been completely erased, and here what we now have is an opportunity to use the armor of God Help people in this room pick up the sword of the Spirit, your word, and then defend them with faith, believing in what they can't see. You say that that's a shield. So what do we know? We know that people are going to be tempted when they walk out of this room. Men are going to be tempted to stray and look at another woman or a computer screen. Right? They're going to have other people just want to worry about everything possible. And that kills life. And you came that we might have life and might have it abundantly. So God, may we drink from that. May we believe that. May we speak words of life to those that we love. Words of encouragement. God, words of truth. We thank you for being a part of this story. And we thank you that sin is not our master. For those that know you in your name, amen.